Welcome to Value Through Vulnerability. This is a podcast dedicated to putting the human back into humanity, and I'm your host, Gary Turner. I'm also the founder of HexoChange, and HexoChange is a transformational change practice dedicated to helping you connect to yourself, to others, and to systems at large in a more meaningful way, thus helping us turn around our workplace and planetary challenges and accelerating how alive we all feel in every aspect of our lives. This track is called Kaleidoscope and was created for me personally and for HexoChange by Peter Griffiths, one half of the amazing Mind Takeaway. I hope you enjoy this exploration and please do share it on your social platforms so we can bring more humanity to more people. Hope to speak to you soon. Welcome to Value Through Vulnerability, a podcast dedicated to putting the human back into humanity. This afternoon, I'm very grateful and happy and excited to welcome Kat Hounsell from Everyday People. Hi, Kat. Hello. Hi, Gary. How are you? Are you good? Uh, uh, really good, thanks. I'm, uh, um, I'm sitting in my, in my kitchen. Um, it's, as we know, it's 4.15 on a Thursday afternoon. So, uh, yeah, I'm kind of looking forward to having, having a chat. I'm just thinking I should have got a cup of tea next to me. It's, uh, it's kind of tea time, isn't it? <laughs> We, we can actually pause this and you get one if you want. No, uh, that's all right. I can, I've got a glass of water. As <laughs> okay. long as you're sure, we can always pause it. <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> Lovely. Well, as, as we get going, for those that may not know you, Kat, would you mind just giving a sort of few minutes lowdown? Who are you? What's your background? You know, what are you doing for work? And what are you really passionate about? Sure. So um, I'm Kat Hounsell. Uh, I'm founder of Everyday People, uh, which I set up because uh, I really believe in helping organisations to thrive. Um, and uh, really kind of helping individuals be them best selves because uh, when as an individual we're our best selves as a team we do our best work as an organization um, we can serve the wider community uh, as well so um, I'm all about thriving uh, in terms of what that actually means on a day-to-day -day basis uh, I'm I design programs um, for organisations um, kind of linked to culture, uh, well-being um, and looking at sustained performance. Um, I'm a facilitator. Uh, I'm also uh, an ICF accredited coach uh, as well. I love coaching and the power of coaching. Um, and yeah, that's a bit about uh, what I do. Uh, I live in the countryside in West Sussex, um, love hiking being at the beach and uh, uh, drinking good wine and eating good food, basically. <laughs> sounds like one heck of a good life to me. I'm with you on that. Yeah, it's, it's going all right at the moment. <laughs> oh, sounds great. I'm feeling very grateful for where things are at. Yeah. Good, good. good. So, so what, which aspects of those work that you're doing right now would you say you're spending most time? Is there a certain sort of part of your work that you're spending more time right now? And is there a particular reason for that out of interest? Yeah, definitely. Well, um, I know one of the reasons you got in touch is because I'm a mental health first aid instructor. Um, and I have really noticed over the last six months, um, kind of that's ramping up. Um, in terms of inquiries, what is it? How does it help organisations, um, you know, through to kind of getting in there um, and training up mental health first aiders? Uh, and mental health first aid champions um, within businesses. Uh, so that's that's taking up quite a chunk of time. Um, and also what I'm also uh, kind of really pleased to see is um, companies thinking about the proactive strategies that they can 
take as well. So raising awareness around just well-being generally and how do we look after ourselves um, uh, and kind of really appreciating that our well-being is linked with our performance, um, not just in work, just in life generally. Um, you know, and kind of putting budget and time aside uh, to, to do that for, for people, um, which is so important. Oh, that, 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 that's really powerful, actually, because I think I've sort of read quite a lot recently, Kat, that this, and please correct me or challenge me on this, but this, I've heard and read a lot about it seems to still be quite difficult for certain organisations, not they don't understand how important people being well is, but how mm. to almost justify or construct a programme that delivers mm. something that they can measure to some extent. Yeah. Is that something you come across at all? Or? Yeah, def definitely. And I... Um, I think there's a few a few reasons behind that. Um, I think one of the challenges is kind of well-being as a field is very broad, um, and on the surface it looks quite simple. Um, you know, make sure people are doing the basics like sleeping, uh, eating, exercising, um, but then you've got the psychological kind of mental needs that we all have, uh, so having a sense of belonging having a sense of purpose, um, being able to kind of bounce back when things don't go brilliantly. Uh, and it's also interconnected. Uh, you, you can, it's quite hard to just do one chunk without other chunks. Um, and I, I think that, you know, that causes, uh, yeah, challenges, strategic challenges in terms of implementing well-being programs and strategies. Um, because they can start looking like a sticking plaster um, rather than uh, kind of yeah really educating people around um, it sounds funny but what it means to be human <laughs> it's like why do we have to educate ourselves around what it means to be human but um, you know the reality is I, you know, I'd love to hear if it was different for you when you went through school but school for me was about uh, subjects and um, knowledge um, you know a little bit about working together uh, but really focused on exams and, and results and so actually uh, in those early years when we're learning about ourselves we're perhaps not learning about ourselves um, uh, as much as we could be uh, especially depending on kind of backgrounds and you know family dynamics and, and things like that as well so so I really believe organisations have a responsibility to uh, to help us as humans kind of know ourselves a bit better, so so we can do our best, really. No, that that that, that really speaks to me actually. So to answer your question, mm -hmm. yeah, same experience as you completely. And, and there's some good work going on in terms of. So you may have heard of enterprise advisors that are trying to bridge the gap mm -hmm. between education and the real world of work. So there is quite mm -hmm. a big push by the careers and enterprise company right now to try and bridge that gap mm. but I don't think it's still enough around the human skills interpersonal skills you know it's still very much mm. how can we take those learnt skills and apply them in the world of work rather mm -hmm. than how can I be a better human as I go into the world of work so I don't think that bit's been looked at they yeah. are looking at the you know better matching of skills to to the world of work but I think yeah. that bit cat I do Definitely. Well, with my uh, optimistic hat on, uh, the good news is I, <laughs> I, I know uh, quite a few people who work in education, um, you know, from early years and through, uh, you know, and I am hearing of 
stories and examples of um, of that sort of work happening. You know, stuff like mindfulness. Uh, a good friend of mine, uh, she's talking about how her class next term are going to look at superheroes. What's your superhero strengths? Right. You know, and that whole idea of superheroes, you know, they come up against a villain. Sometimes things don't go their way. Um, how does the superhero bounce back? So, you know, kind of taking uh, all this great kind of uh, science and research that, you know, we're finding out about all the time and putting it into a language that kids can understand. Um, I actually think as adults, you know, like, what, what are our super superhero strengths uh, as well? And, what, you know, what makes us what makes us great at, at who we are and, you know, being an incredible leader, authentic leader at work. What does that what does that really mean? Cool. There's, there's two really powerful things, actually, you just described for me there, Kat. So one is actually around the language piece. And I'm hearing that quite a lot and I'm, I'm you know, I'm definitely seeing it that actually, you know, what is a leadership? No, leadership is a language to some extent. Yeah. And, you know, if well-being isn't part of that language, then it becomes difficult to implement, doesn't it, to some extent? Um, yeah. But, but I think I've got a more important question. Yeah. What would you say right now was your number one superhero strength as Kat Hansel? Oh, that is a, that's a great question. Um, uh, well, I'd say at the moment it's uh, awareness. Uh, I've been doing uh, a lot of, well, you know, over the years I've been doing a lot of work at kind of raising my, um, my awareness of what's going on internally for me in terms of my emotions, my thinking, um, kind of my reactions to situations. Um, and the reason why I'm giving myself the badge of awareness, I feel like I've got a brownie badge <laughs> on, my, on my sash, um, is even just yesterday, you know, I, um, I had a situation whilst I was facilitating, somebody came into the room um, unexpectedly, uh, you know, quite a, um, uh, no, not a forceful character, just uh, they had a lot to share. Um, and, you know, I noticed myself thinking, oh, you know, what's going, this wasn't planned, what's going on here? You know, the time is ticking away. Um, I'm starting to worry about what people think about me in comparison to this other person. Um, and just being able to notice those thoughts and feelings and go, you know what, this is your, uh, your sort of fear response is going off. Um, it's there for a good reason. It's trying to keep you safe. Uh, it's okay. People think these things, people feel these things, but actually take a step back. What's really going on? Um, and is it impacting the experience for the worse or for the better of the group? And you know what? It was for the better. So that ability to kind of let go, step back, um, and you know, kind of try being a bit different and see how that plays out. Uh, and you can't make choices without awareness in the first place. So um, yeah, I've been putting a lot of energy into boosting my superhero awareness <laughs> skills it. and I, I like to help other people to do the same too <laughs> I've got this vision of you flying around with your hand up in the air this, e this evening <laughs> <laughs> that's, that, that's, it's quite funny for me personally if, if I was going to ask myself the same question it's part of awareness mm. but mine's around vulnerability so my mm. big my big my superhero strength right now is being able to speak my truth around my challenges I had being bullied as I grew up you know these, these sorts of things mm. to try to help others 
have those mm. conversations with themselves. I think that's my one right now. So it's yeah. interesting that for both of us, there's this distinctly human awareness piece that we see as a, our, our superhero strength. Fascinating. Yeah, definitely. If you don't mind me asking, where do you see the vulnerability uh, kind of superhero quality playing out in your day-to-day? -day? In the day-to-day? -day, I, I, good, good question, Coach Cat. I love oh. that. I've got a bit of live coaching. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that's more around making spaces safe for other people mm -hmm. so I tend to be the one that goes first and says yeah. right let's talk about this or actually it is a safe environment let's like, let's get this on the table so I tend mm. to be the one that takes that sort of step to make the space mm. safe or to be the one that starts the conversation or use my own experience to mm. try and facilitate other people being able to do the same if that makes yeah. sense oh a hundred percent I think if you create that safe space for others, then they can step up and be a bit more of themselves yeah, as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, You've seen that, and right? if, if nothing else, it's the, it's the sort of behavior where at a party, people love you. You know, that thing where everyone's looking at the buffet, but nobody's touching it. And uh, the first person to go up, the vulnerability to, you know, break through that fear of looking like the greedy one. Everybody loves you. Everybody's right up there at the buffet with you. <laughs> I've got I hope that thought. metaphor does, it does uh, vulnerability justice. I'm not sure it does, but... <laughs> it's, a, it's a good metaphor. I'm more concerned now you're comparing me to a tray of food. But anyway, we'll carry on. No, I'm not sure about that. <laughs> but, but no, I should say one of my values is cheekiness. So just so you're, <laughs> just so you're aware. <laughs> well, actually, while we're talking about awareness, so mm. you've given a great example of it as your sort of, um, sort of superhero strength. If you were going mm. to describe what awareness or self-awareness means to you as Kat, how would you, how would you describe it? If, if someone mm. came into you and said, Kat, can you please describe to me what self-awareness means? What self-awareness means? That's a brilliant question. Uh, it's, it's a sense. It's a, I think it's a knowing within both your head, your heart and your gut about what's happening. Um, well, actually, in all of your senses, uh, it, it's about noticing, really, kind of at a very simple level. It's noticing what's going on for you physically. You know, are your, are your palms sweating? Are your shoulders tense? Um, are you smiling? Are you frowning? Um, you know, so what's, what's going on physically? Um, anything that's going on on the inside that people can't see? You know, have you got the butterflies in your stomach or... Uh, is your heart racing, feeling pumps, you know, like you're sort of ready for a challenge. Uh, then it's about kind of, you know, the emotions. If you were going to put an, a name on that experience you're having, what, what's the emotion or feeling that you would name it as? Um, uh, and then also the thoughts that are going around in our minds. But we don't always notice what we're actually thinking. You know, we're talking to ourselves a lot <laughs> all the time. Um, uh, you know, in, in a healthy way, uh, and uh, but we don't always pay attention and, and notice what those thoughts are. Um, you know, and it is that your inner critic talking, um, you know, negative self-talk, um, or are you hearing more of your inner mentor and or your inner friend? You know, the person that's on your side that's cheering you on. Um, so awareness for me is is quite complex, really. Uh, lot to think about so this is what I mean about well-being it's very it sounds very simple on the surface you start digging down into it and it's like oh there's a lot going on under under there <laughs> where do we start and 
going back to the very first question you asked, I, I, I do think that's one of the challenges that we come up against in the workplace. Like, you know, what's the starting point um, for this sort of discussion? Uh, I, I'm still trying to work that out myself. So I'd, anybody listening, or, you, or yourself, Gary, I'd, I'd love any thoughts or tips on uh, your experience. <laughs> Well, we'll actually lead within my work organisation, actually. I've led a self-awareness and assertiveness learning module, which was designed and delivered in-house for a few years. And it's hard. It, it, it is hard. And I think, you know, it's not just that it's quite a, an elastic topic. I think it's also the more elastic it becomes, the more time, particularly senior leaders, attach, which naturally takes people away from their day job. So I think there's a lot of mindset. And I, I loved hearing you actually talk about hearing your thoughts and actually your great experience of being able to your, increase your superpower is actually mm. you can drop those thoughts quicker is what I heard yeah. you say. And I think yeah. that's such a powerful thing. And yeah. I think, so yeah, to sort of answer your question, it is, I would say it's just hard and it's just, I think we need to make more opportunities more regularly. Like mm. I don't think people should have to be pushed or delivered into a session. I, for mm. me, I, I, I like the idea of sort of quarterly, there's three or four sessions, whether there's one person in it or 20. Yeah. That people can self-select themselves onto rather than it needs to be something that needs to be fixed or something yeah. that's common seen in you that needs to be corrected or actually maybe you should do that you're looking a bit emotional you know if there was mm. this space again this safe psychological space three or four times a quarter where people could just take themselves knowing it's trusted facilitated by someone like you mm. i think that would really increase the engagement and take away this stigma of having to think do i need yeah. something wrong with me to be fixed to go to this session yeah. sometimes that's a problem some of this yeah. what do you think yeah definitely and and also um really developing uh great awareness skills and coaching skills within leaders because i i guess i'm thinking of that person perhaps in your team who um never makes time to go to those opportunities that are there um you know they're taking on uh kind of all the work challenges there are they're possibly the person kind of working late, giving that little bit extra, but are they giving much to themselves? Um, and you, you know, you need to have, we all need to have other people looking out for us from time to time. And um, I, I think one of the roles of a leader is, is around duty of care. Um, uh, and that care isn't just waiting till something goes wrong. It's also saying, hey, look, you know, I've noticed you've been working really hard lately um, and you, you haven't, been putting any time aside for your sort of personal development you know kind of wondering you know what is there anything getting in the way of that is there any reasons why um anything i can do to help you uh and it might be that person doesn't feel worthy of going to those sorts of sessions and um so i think it's it's great to put on workshops that are are open um and people can Kind of get involved with them when the time is right uh i think we also need to balance that with day-to-day -day just human conversation mm. um uh, and being brave and courageous to to call things out that we notice in others and check that it isn't anything um deeper than what we're seeing on the surface level uh and i guess I'm, I'm kind of touching on the mental health first aid territory because that that's a big a big part of mental health first aid is around looking out for um, signs and symptoms um, within others and really having that courage to start up a human conversation. Uh, 
and to not shy away from you know sometimes asking some quite tricky difficult questions um but as long as it's coming from a loving and, and kind place um you know yeah that's that's all no it's not all we can do but that's a great place to start no that's great well, i was really sensing and hearing the mental health first aid nice segue mm. that um cat to be honest because you know i actually trained as a mental health first aid at the end of last year and i have to say yeah. was in, it's actually a really reasonable price for the mm. insight that you get from 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 mm. the two days so i'd really commend anyone that's on this um podcast to really reach out to you know reach out to you cat to try and get you mm. into so, so you, you said you're a mental health first aid instructor is that right exactly yes mental health first aiders exactly so i train up mental health first aiders um there's a the two-day full first aider course um which uh I, I say is well basically they're life skill courses anybody can get something from them but if you weren't you know don't have the budget <laughs> or not sure where to start um hr it's a definite um any leaders who are really kind of position themselves as a bit of a go-to person um uh, uh people who sit on reception tend to be the people that have their uh, hearts opened up to <laughs> uh yeah any kind of people leading well-being initiatives I, I think if you're if you're willing to be a bit of a go-to person uh the first data program is um is a great great one uh, and then there's a one day mental health first aid champion course uh, which is kind of a lighter touch version of the two days um, and for me, what's in there is is the basics that every manager, every supervisor, um, uh, really, they need to have those skills. They need to have that awareness because of the duty of care that we have in our organisations. Um, it's not it's not a nice to have. I think it's a need to have. Um, and mental health first aid isn't the only course out there that um, that delivers. Um, you know the, the same or similar outcomes however you mentioned language earlier and i i am a real believer i've, I've got a friend called lisa gill um you might have come across her um and we so we used to work together and lisa always used to talk about the power of language uh and it's something that is resonating with me more and more um so i think what's particularly powerful about the mental health first aid movement is that it's a language that people understand we have physical first aiders we get that um it's becoming uh, well it's not just nationwide it's a global language uh, mental health first aid exists in many countries all across the world it originated in australia um uh it gives hr people a common language you know when they're sort of um talking about things it's a transferable qualification um so i think there's a lot of there's a lot of power within that and i guess the future is that we have just first aid um and first aid is both physical and mental um but i think as a society we're not quite there yet uh and uh, having you know mental health first aid to be able to be looked at kind of on par with physical first aid is is important and i think their language helps with that no, that's that, that's that's a really helpful reflection, actually. I know, I know mm. of an organisation as a publishing house up in Leeds, I think it is, that's just they've just um, trained thirty-seven mental health first aiders. So I think it's like ten wow. percent of the workforce, which is quite wow. 
one of the bigger sort of numbers I've heard. I think, is it, was it Natasha Devinson's been doing that change.org to try and get yes. mental health there today? Is Where's that your head at? Yeah, exactly. Makes me think of the Baseman Jack song every time. Like 100%. <laughs> is, is Natasha someone you've had any contact with out of interest? Or? Um, no, not directly. Uh, I've been following the campaign. You know, I've signed the petition, sending Absolutely. it uh, around to people. Um, I saw on Twitter, I think it was just about 48 hours ago, uh, they're nearing the 100,000 person um, kind of mark, uh, which is what they need to hit, I believe. So, um, so yeah, uh, it's where's your where's your head at dot org, I believe. Um, maybe we can check that, and I don't know if it's possible to send it out with the link of the. <laughs> yeah, we'll do that. We'll add it to the show notes. Yeah, we'll add it to the show awesome. notes. Absolutely. No, we'll try and get that yeah. up to 100,000 listeners please. Yeah. So the, well, to give a bit of background for anyone listening of what it is, uh, it's to uh, make it a legal requirement. The same that we have physical first aids. It, you know, we have to have physical first aiders. Um, you know, we need to have mental health first aiders. Uh, you know, it's um, one of the most common reasons for people taking time off sick in terms of both short-term and long-term absence. Um, so it's yeah we, we need we keep talking about awareness but we need to have that awareness we need to have the skills and the knowledge in place um and recruiting the right people to to be mental health first aiders too uh, i think that's that's really important um uh, and there there is a document from mental health first aid england um sort of a three-page three-pager on you know what what makes a really great mental health first aider um uh, and i think that's a useful tool it's something i've got i'm happy to send on to people uh, as well if they want to get in touch no that's great well as we wrap up the podcast we'll uh, get your contact details for sure cat so that yeah. would be good um sort of moving on a bit something that's quite linked for me towards sort of mental health first aid is mm. sort of vulnerability you know someone to feel that there is somewhere to go in a safe way you know mm. is vulnerability do you feel important as part of that whole mental health first aid movement Oh, a hundred, a hundred and more percent. Um, you know, I, uh, I'm quite open about part of the reason why I run mental health first aid workshops is because I've had my own challenges with anxiety and depression. Um, kind of mainly um, whilst I was at university age, um, I was uh, training as a contemporary dancer in a very high, high pressured, high performance environment. Um, not really taking care of myself um, in terms of my own well-being. Um, uh, I had a couple of um, sort of personal instances, um, uh, my grandma falling very ill on me, um, and, and that triggered, you know, a, a period of uh, quite deep depression and, and sort of quite bad anxiety, really. Um, uh, and through that process of... Um, you know therapy and opening up to people and realizing I'm not alone I'm not mad I thought I was going crazy you know <laughs> I remember saying to somebody I'm, I'm literally I'm going crazy um that's because it wasn't talked about and um uh and so kind of being able to share that stories personal stories is really important to normalizing the conversation um just yesterday I was running a workshop uh and, and somebody within that workshop shared their personal experience um you know of, uh, of a suicide attempt and um you know how a, a big part of their depression and anxiety was linked to 
linked to work and a very intense lifestyle, a huge amount of business travel, a lot of being away from home, loneliness. Um, and yeah, I think telling these stories is, is really important. Um, uh, and you'll find that remote, pretty much every mental health first aid instructor I've met <laughs> has had either, well, either their own challenges or they've supported um, a close friend or a family member as well. And I, I think that offers a really uh, useful uh, insight because um, it's not just uh, the person that's unwell that needs support. The supporters of the person who's unwell also need support too. Um, uh, support them with their self-care and um, make sure they stay mentally healthy. So I think vulnerability is a massive part of it. And I, I don't know if you experienced this, Gary, in, in the course you went through, but every, every workshop I've run, uh, people open up, they, they tell their stories. Um, you know, I'd, I'd never met anybody with bipolar disorder before I became a mental health first aid instructor. Uh, I've met loads now. <laughs> um, even I started chatting to a lady on the train the other day and she started telling, she told me, oh, I've got bipolar disorder. And I was like, oh, <laughs> you know, and, uh, and th this is just coming from talking. Like from, from no there is nothing, there is nothing more complex going on. We're just talking. Um, and people are being able to not feel ashamed by having, you know, a, a label or something attached to them. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's a condition and, it, and it's something that needs to be managed the same way that we get physical health conditions that need to be managed. Um, uh, on that, please stop me if I'm going on no, a bit. Great. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think, I think for me, one of the really important messages is that uh, just because somebody has a diagnosis of a mental health condition uh, doesn't mean that they automatically have poor levels of well-being. Um, you, know, you can have a diagnosis of something like bipolar or schizophrenia, um, but uh, because you're managing it well, because you've got um, you're doing self-care, uh, you've got the support network around you. Actually, your your well-being can be you can be thriving. You can thrive with a diagnosis, and um, and I, people don't. Um, yeah, that message hasn't reached everybody yet. And uh, I think it's a really important message to um, to get out there. It really is. And thank you for that. Because it's a new message for me today, yeah. actually. You, yeah. you do. No, you do. You, you assume that, as with any illness, it means you're going down somehow. But mm. what you're actually saying is not necessarily, it's not necessarily the visible case mm -hmm. of mental health. That's really, no, thank you for sharing that. I think that's a really, really helpful yeah. insight. Really yeah. Helpful. I was, I, was, I was talking to somebody um, just yesterday about how since they were given a diagnosis um, it's like a light has been turned on and they suddenly have an understanding of why they've been thinking some of the things they've been thinking and um, you know some of their behavior um, over recent years or their whole life really and it's it's a uh, yeah it's it's been a support for them um, uh, and they're in a really good place uh, <laughs> since having a diagnosis, which, you know, I, I think, yeah, we need to normalise. We need to normalise that. I love that. You're just re reconfirming again, just by becoming aware of what mm. it is, allows you to mm. deal with it, doesn't it? Just knowing, mm. basically. So yeah. Yeah. Wow, that's, that's so, so powerful. Thank you very yeah. much for that. And just, just for anyone, just in case people haven't 
heard some of the other podcasts where I've shared my challenge. So I had a mental health challenge two years ago where I burnt out. Again, reinforcing your point, uh, Kat, that, uh, that tends to be where mental health first aid has come from. So yeah, just really, really transformed my understanding. And I sat in a room with people where, again, some had children that had gone, as, no, thankfully they hadn't committed suicide, but had attempted other people with bipolar. And I, it's just with everything though, isn't it? And I think it's also, whether mm -hmm. it's mental health, I think it's also the same with inclusion. Another podcast for mm. this, uh, sorry, another theme of this podcast is how do we make workplaces and indeed society a more inclusive place? Because the same challenges I hear you talking about with, or the benefits of just communicating is the same mm. when you go and have a conversation with someone that's Muslim, black, white, Afghanistan, you know, we're, we're sort of segregating situations, therefore making them more mm. difficult to talk about. Whereas if we just go, we're all connected, mm. human. Let's just actually, oh, why does that person wear that, that particular garment? Let me ask them, then I'll know. Do you know what I mean? It's just, yeah. it's just really, I just find it quite fascinating. Yeah, well, um, that, that's a really great point. I, um, uh, I collaborate with another organization called Wild Goose Learning, um, uh, and they have a, a really awesome game platform. That they come from a team building background, and they have this great app um, where it, it uses kind of the power of GPS and, you, know, you end up kind of running around the streets or running around your office, finding hot spots, doing activities. Um, it, it's another way to bring learning to life. Um, but yeah, I collaborate with them. And one of, um, uh, one of the Wild Goose workshops is built around inclusive leadership and um, around the Deloitte study that's been done recently of um, the six traits of an inclusive leader. And... Um, really like, well a big one of them is curiosity and the the main takeaway message is about start, i mean it's not it's not brain science is it it's like start with the human like get to know the person who's the person and you know what what makes them tick what do they like what don't they like um yeah understand their culture ask them questions and you know it's we don't have to know everything about every culture, every religion, every race, every sex, every gender, every, you know, it's, um, we just need to be curious and, and open uh, and vulnerable enough to, to say we don't know something, but we'd like to know so that we can help that person. Um, so yeah, that for me, when I sort of went through that, uh, that program that they have, um, it's like, oh, it started really shifting my thoughts on what inclusive, what inclusivity means as well. Oh, that, yeah. that, that, that's super packed. If you go back through these, you, I'm grateful you're my number 15 episode, um, Kat. Pretty much <laughs> every episode is pointing towards curiosity. It's yeah. absolutely fascinating. It's like this new thing we've all found, or at least mm. we're opening the box again to say it's okay to be curious. Because yeah. for so many years now it's been you've got job spec, you fit within mm -hmm. that job profile, don't come out mm -hmm. of it, just do that job and go home at five o'clock. Now it's like, yeah. actually, ah, you can be, like if you look at Rob um, Baker and his job crafting he's looking at, you know, how mm. do you actually create the role that it actually yeah. gives you some space to grow, therefore you add more mm. value, it's got more meaning, it's more purposeful, etc. Yeah. Just, it, it all seems to be playing curiosity, like, Oh, Gary, you've given me a flashback. In one of my first jobs, I um, went to somebody quite senior and, and you know, asked them for some, for some feedback. Uh, and they gave me some, some lovely feedback and their developmental feedback was, um, just remember where what your role is and, what, and where your place is. <laughs> 
Oh, and um, yeah, well, as you can imagine, I, I left quite soon afterwards. Um, I thought, well, my place obviously isn't isn't here. Um, right. But yeah, you just you've just brought that back for me, and that's you know we need we need to embrace curiosity a bit more. And when somebody says, why do we do things this way, or kind of challenging the first idea that's put on the table um it, i guess that's where bias starts coming into it noticing um kind of just noticing the choices that we're making and questioning where they're coming from um uh yeah love that is that is that a theme would you say for a lot of the work you're doing whether it's the mental health first aid or other parts you're coaching you know sort of L &D, well, whatever is curiosity, curiosity. Is that a really common theme for you with the work that you deliver yeah, well, actually, it's what, well, yes, it's one of my values where I've just wow. thought is uh, respect, courage, curiosity, and a little cheekiness. So I guess it's, it's part of who I am. <laughs> no, that's, so, yeah. Those, if you don't mind. So your, your personal... Yeah. Yeah. So respect, courage, curiosity, and a little cheekiness. You're, you're definitely wrong with <laughs> all of those today, which is really... But, but I, thank, oh, good. <laughs> thank, you for, thank you for repeating it though, because I think it's a really important message. There's a lot of talk yeah. about personal values aligning with organizational values, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. But my personal values are trust, mm. my yeah, so um, trust, collaboration, communication, and there's one other one. That's it, growth. Sorry, they're my four. Mm. So, mm. Yeah, but they do hold you dear, don't they? They do give you that sort of mm. that North Star for you to at least check yourself with. Do you find that? Yeah. Yeah. And um, well, how, how do you find it in terms of like decision making and using your values as part of that? Massive. It's actually mm. really quite big. And I, I think one of the, I think the big one actually is for trust. Sometimes I've made decisions and probably not so long ago, if I'm honest, where I went, actually, Gary, if that was someone else, you probably wouldn't have done that. And I sort mm. of checked myself in and sort of apologized for it. I said, look, I shouldn't have done that. So yeah, definitely, 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 definitely does work. Wow. Yeah. How about you? Well, that's, that's your growth in action as well. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I guess yeah, but I think values are, well, we're talking about where's a good place to start. And uh, if I think values are a good place to start, um, kind of understanding what, you know, what we are basing our decisions on, um, kind of knowing your values helps you to know yourself a bit better uh, and also how do they align to organizational values because you know it, it would be great if we could all work for an organization where we were 100% lined to the values that were up there on the wall on a poster um, but the reality is in some places they are just words on the wall some places they don't exist at all mm -hmm. uh, in others they are lived and, and breathed but we each have our own core values too and so we need to be able to relate my values to the values of the organization I'm working with and you know how do they um how do they support one another is there any potential conflict mm -hmm. in values that that could come about and you know how am I going to manage that um and just starting from that level of a, of awareness uh, I, I'm just prepping I think it's front of mind I'm just prepping for a a leadership course that starts next week and um, values is a part of uh, kind of looking at values uh, and you know the alignment to the organization is is a big part of the first module um, so yeah so it's, it's front of mind but I think it's a, a, a useful I, I've never come across like whenever I've worked 
um, whether it's with groups or one-on-one -on -one coaching. Um, I've never seen values kind of fall flat. Uh, mm. <laughs> people have normally got something out of that exploration um, and understanding a bit more about themselves. Brilliant. Yeah. What is what would you say in your experience at the moment right now, the number one challenges that you're seeing within the HR space? I know you sort of cross over a few areas. What do you think the number one challenges you're hearing, sensing, seeing, reading right now? Ooh, that's a really good one. You're only allowed one, Kat, just saying. I'm only allowed one. I, I, I think this isn't just HR. I think it's for our whole country. I think uncertainty um, of, you know, where where we're at as a country you know we're, we're leaving the european union we're not very, very clear on um you know what's going to happen we've just been uh you know this document in terms of here's the guidelines if we leave with a no deal basically don't panic mr mannering <laughs> um read this document and you'll be okay you know that that um that causes a huge level of uncertainty and, and, and uncertainty can be one of one of the triggers for stress um it it definitely gets in the way in terms of planning and making decisions um especially for large organizations who um you know they're global they uh, maybe they trade across um across borders uh you know that's it's not just a hr issue it's a societal one at the moment um uh, so in terms of how that's trickling down what i'm noticing is a, is a lot of sort of last minute decision making um that's what i'm experiencing and kind of talking to colleagues it seems to be something others are experiencing too so this kind of real desire and want to do things and and kind of have a plan and an idea but sort of getting very last minute sign off on stuff um doesn't feel very strategic uh it, it feels like let's do what we can within what we know right now um and that's good that people aren't just stopping and and you know personal development is being sort of cut and well-being is being you know like put to the bottom of the list uh, i think that's a really positive sign that that's not happening um but kind of the, why don't we really talk about strategically, how can we implement things that are right for your business um, in a way that's gonna be sustainable. I, I think being sustainable is so important. Um, you know, otherwise stuff can just become a bit of a waste of money, to be honest, a waste of time, waste of energy, waste of hope. <laughs> um, so yeah, I think, I think uncertainty would be right at the top and in terms of how that's showing up, uh, I think it's um, this sort of last minute decision making. Um, but you know, I'm, yeah, I'm a small business owner. Uh, I also do freelance associate work. So obviously I'm slightly on the, on the outside. Um, but yeah, that's been my, my experience recently. Yeah, no, but a similar, similar thing. I think what's interesting for me though, and I see some link cat to some extent between this, mm. So yeah, we're always going. It's always going to be sort of uncertain, though, to some extent, because of the rate of yeah. change, technology. So I'm wondering if there's a beautiful link here between actually what you're doing with your mental health work and the well-being trend that there seems to be. To actually, the more human we make our mm. businesses, the more human mm. we design them, the more mm. we can cope with uncertainty. 
because you're not mm. worried about the numbers and planning and budgeting because the people are already thinking about it. Mm. And I wonder if, it's, I'm just a bit of an optimist, but I wonder if there's some sort of almost forced change coming where actually people will start to design businesses around people more because that's mm. actually who's got the, the information and the knowledge and the experience and the power to actually pivot quicker. The guys at the mm. top see it too late. So I'm just wondering if actually being well-being led, human led, can actually deal with the uncertainty more than the current system, is my summary. Yeah. Well, because I, I know that you're doing some work with World Blue and, you know, that's been a big part of your, of your journey. And uh, some of the things you've said that I've got a very small insight to World Blue. Some of the things you've said have uh, reminded me of some of the language I came across around mm. that. And, you know, I, I'm... I guess I, I'm more interested in your <laughs> in your take on on that and um, yeah, where you see the future of where do you see the future of work? Well, well I do see it, but for me, it is that though. It's, it's re it really is design. You know, I know it's easy to say if you've got a product, whether you know you could be making machinery, you could be making mm. you know, developing software, whatever. But I think there's enough good examples now of like Next Jump. You heard of Next Jump before? Is a software, yes, yeah. software house, yeah. yeah? So they, yeah. they, they, they've got this incredible culture, which is totally people-centered. They've got a safe mm -hmm. space to practice. They call it the development gym, where they practice mm -hmm. what they call their backhand, which is basically their development areas. Mm -hmm. And they've got their public speaking, they can go and practice negotiation. There's organizations out there that, for me, really role model what the future work looks like, which is people, people like Next mm -hmm. Jump, which is this, you know, how can we make, back to your point from earlier, Kurt, how do we allow genuinely someone to bring their whole self? And there's this great phrase that I've heard recently, life work quality getting away from work life mm. balance as if work owns you you then get a bit of life and hopefully mm. balance in the end from actually your life is your work and you combined and how do you make mm. the quality of that the best possible for you and the people you work for and those that you surround yourself yeah. and i know again it's language but i think it's such an important shift of language from this yeah. mindset to this abundance mindset of actually wow if we do genuinely develop our organizations around people around people, yeah give them the empower them, give them the information, give them the intent. Yeah. The strategic leaders can do more of the good stuff and coach and develop and strategize. I think there's just so much fear, back to World Blue, there is so much fear still within organizations that they don't want to accept that that could work. And I think mm. that's, you've asked me, so you got me on my, uh, my soapbox now, but that's how I see it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, and also what, what is work? Uh, and Andy Swan, if you've ever crossed yeah. paths with him, yeah. he asked, that question a lot what is work and um i've got a lot of family members at the moment who are in that transition phase uh, of retirement and um it's really interesting where you think well you know for example my, my dad is really into kind of local politics and you know he um really campaigns a lot for the uh, for the good of the village and the the surrounding area of where I grew up and and really he's he's pretty much got a full-time job from what I can see <laughs> you know but he's supposedly retired um you know my mum's talking about going and supporting at the local library when um when that reopens um you know I've got an uncle who goes and uh helps in the NHS on the x-ray department and you know it's like you know what does is that not work like what is what is work and i and i it's strange it's like why do we say the activities that we are doing up to a certain age count as work um because not everybody is doing something in exchange for money um uh and we are doing it on varying degrees of exchange of 
of money and um it, i just find it bizarre i i'm i don't know, i'm thinking more and more about what you know what is work if you took away the word of work what is it i'm doing i'm actually just filling my life with lots of different activities um some of them uh some of them come with uh, with sort of money attached to them some of them come with um you know fun and enjoyment some of them come with conversation you, you get value in lots of different ways um the sweet spot is when you get you know all of those things together um but you know i'd love to be in a position where you know money wasn't something that was was needed but i, I think it's I, I get a bit annoyed when people pretend that money isn't a thing you know we we money uh is important for as part of our well-being in terms of having enough uh kind of being able to look after ourselves um and you know of course people would want to work for, for free but um that's not we don't live in a world where that's always possible <laughs> um so then it makes you go well just what is work you know is it it's, is it just activities and therefore what activities do you choose to fill your time with um yeah what, what's work to you I, gary I, I love that i'm really, I'm really, I'm really conscious of time i've talked to you for days cat i sort of knew this was going to happen oh yeah it's um, five o'clock oh my um, goodness <laughs> we'll, look, we'll look to wrap up but i'll answer your question quickly for me yeah you i'm actually not going to answer the question quickly oh, you're it's just pause no, no, you're letting, you're making me think oh. more about it, and ah. it's a really, really good question. You know, what is because mm. I've got a future podcast coming up. Have you heard of Universal Basic Income? Yes, yeah. yeah. So there's a lot of talk now. There's an experiment in Scotland around actually, mm. why do we have benefit systems the way that it works? Why can't we actually mm. have a universal basic income where everybody has a house over there? You know, they've got a minimum amount that allows them to have water food a roof over their head mm -hmm. and can do the work, mm -hmm. that's, work that's most meaning to them whether it makes ten thousand or a hundred thousand per year and mm. i don't know enough about it but i've got someone hopefully on monday coming on to talk about this about ubi oh great um, well listen i'd like to yeah. learn more too <laughs> so, so, yeah. so hopefully that will work out on monday and so for me i'm still pondering you've just given me a really good interesting reflection as i mm. as, as, as we wrap up to be honest so i will come back to you on that and maybe we can have another chat at some point and explore that. So I think that's a really, yeah, really, love that. a really important topic. Yeah. Really, really important topic. But I am conscious of your mm -hmm. time. So I've got a couple of quick questions and I'd like you to be able to tell people how they can reach you. Yep. Okay. So okay. what is giving you the most energy right now? Um, what's giving me the most energy right now? Oh, that is a big question. Um, I've been, for the first time, I've been on two short runs this cool. week and uh one of my my personal dedications is I, I i need to get my heart rate up more um i love yoga but um yeah i'm sorry i'm not directly answering your question but i'm <laughs> getting my heart rate up that's Ooh. giving me what's giving me some uh energy fantastic what a great comment um so last thing before you tell people how they can get hold of you cat i know that mm -hmm. you and i are both going to meaning this year, I think the Meaning Conference. Oh, so, yes. And we are both also running fringe events this year. Yes. Quite interesting. Yes. My one being self awareness. And I, but do you want to give a mm -hmm. bit of background as to your um, event that you are running, in case people want to come come along to that? 
Yeah, so um, mentioned mental health first aid um, earlier. So it, I'm running a mental health first aid champion course. So that's the one day course, the Friday directly after meaning. So you can go out to the meaning after party and then come in the next day. Um, and it's kindly being hosted by an, a really fantastic venue just next to Brighton train station um, uh, called Spaces. Um, it, it's a fab venue, amazing cafe in there, um, and yeah, they've um, uh, yeah they've been very generous as as hosts. So come along to that. Um, I'm possibly running a two day course, the full first aider course, the following week. Um, so there is a um, uh, a sign up um, button for that, uh, and if it looks like you know, the eagerness is, is out there. People want to hang around for another week. Then I'll be putting that on the following. If not, we'll, we'll do something kind of heading into the next next year. Brilliant. No, as thank well. you. Thanks yeah. for sharing that. And also, so just then, thank you so much for joining me. Honestly, it's an absolute pleasure, Kat. I've totally loved it. Can you let people know who are listening, how can they reach out to you? Sort of Twitter, social media, websites, etc. Yeah, so Twitter, I'm on at Kat underscore Council. H-O-U-N-S-E-L-L, -L, um, at everyday underscore action. Uh, website is everyday-people.co.uk. Um, and you can email me at cat at everyday-people.co.uk. <laughs> oh, that's wonderful. Well, obviously, I'll add all of these contacts and details to the show notes for you, Cat, as well. And yeah, you, you mentioned a couple of really interesting um, sort of reports, like the Deloitte report. So I'll try and dig that out and add that to the show notes as well. Yeah. Brilliant. Well, look, thank you so much Brilliant. for your time, Kat. That sounds fab. Uh, get in touch if you want me to send you the link. Yeah, thanks for inviting me to be a part of it, Gary. I've really enjoyed it. Oh, I've enjoyed it, and I can't wait to speak to you again. And I, I, I will do. Thanks <laughs> 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 well, for now, Kat. Have a nice evening. Hi there, it's just Gary Turner again, just wrapping up this really awesome podcast with, with Kat Hounsell. Again, got so many takeaways, I'll try and keep them brief. Um, but for me, there was this really, really clear piece around the future is just first aid. So we get away from distinguishing between whether it's a physical um, first aid challenge or whether it's a mental health first aid challenge. I think that's so, so important. And I think linking to one of the other points that Kat spoke about, which was a Brené Brown and reference that suicide linked to lots of business travel and loneliness. You know, in her book Braving the Wilderness, um, Brené talks about loneliness as a as a very sad and desperate killer um, of people. And I think with the world that we have, it's it's very interconnected. But at the same time, we can go anywhere in the world relatively cheaply and quite quickly. And you know, I, don't, I certainly don't always think about those times when I can feel lonely, and that does happen on occasion. So I think it's a really, really, really interesting reflection. Something else that was a real learning for me from this, this chat with Kat was just because someone has a diagnosis of a mental health condition doesn't mean they automatically have poor levels of well-being. That's really, really interesting and something I'm still digesting as I make that statement um, in, in these reflection notes. Um, so yeah, I want to come back to that on Kat and maybe with other people as, uh, as we reflect on this. In terms of what self-awareness means to Kat, I really liked this this definition for her, which was, it's a knowing within your head, heart, and your gut what's happening. And it's a really nice, succinct 
um, message there for me because it's really talking about, you know, it is your gut feeling, you know, those feelings, you know, what is your body telling you about a situation? Now, this gut reaction, it is a thing. You know, I've, I know it's a thing. I know some of my decisions and some of my, some of my, I would call hedged risk taking based on what my gut feel, what my heart felt has generally worked. You know, I'm not saying that's a perfect system. You know, that level of self-awareness that your body is telling you something physically from your head, heart and gut, that really resonates with me and I, and I quite like that. And linked to that, um, we had this fantastic discussion around superhero strengths and how she's used that as part of facilitation um, recently. And she's giving herself the badge of awareness as her current superhero strength, which I think is really, really lovely. In terms of actually, in terms of how do we look out for each other? How do we actually support each other in, in a work environment and indeed outside of work? Kat quoted, we all need people looking out for us from time to time. And leaders need to be curious why people are not getting away from their day jobs to be able to focus on their development. So just hold that thought for a second. You know, are we looking out for when there is a development opportunity for your people and they're not taking the time to, to take them? Why is that? Is there presenteeism? Are people scared to take them? Do they not want to be the only one that's accepting learning opportunities? So I think particularly for our L&D professionals, but also wider organisational contexts, you know, let's be more active. Let's actually look out for whether or not people are going taking those development opportunities because it could actually be a sign of either a cultural toxicity or indeed a mental health challenge. So something to be thinking about there. And I think another thing I really liked was this what is work, which, um, you know, Kat referenced Andy Swan. You know, what even is work? You know, activities, according to Kat, um, that we do at a certain age, you know, when do they count as work and when do they not? And she, she used a brilliant example that, you know, when, when we go into retirement and we start volunteering, that's not classed as work. Just you're not getting paid for it. Doesn't, you know, suddenly it's not work anymore. So a really interesting point. It makes me think about the universal basic income conversation that I've got coming up soon. And I'm looking forward to exploring that with, with, with that guest. And then finally, I really enjoyed Kat actually challenging me and actually sort of extracting my view on things a little bit more in this podcast, which is, which is quite interesting. And I sort of enjoyed that coaching aspect, that live interactive coaching aspect with, with Kat as well on this podcast. So I took loads away from it. There are just a few things. I've got, I've got another page I've got another page for takeaways. But I hope you took a few things away. I hope that those reflections of mine are helpful for you as you listen. And uh, yeah, I hope to hear hear from you i hope please do reach out to me at gary turner zero on twitter or via my linkedin page should you want to get in contact to discuss this or any other aspects of the podcast series to date and please do reach out to cat via the various mediums that you can find in the show notes thanks very much for now really hoping that you enjoyed that exploration on the value through vulnerability podcast you can find out much more about hexo change at hexochangenow.com that's h-e-x-o change now one word dot com you can subscribe to a weekly newsletter at that website which includes information about live stream conversations further service offerings blogs but also our in-person events of which we have multiple each year so i really hope that you'll join us do connect with me gary turner on linkedin and i really hope to hear from you soon